Thank you for listening to another episode of the Trust Fall Podcast. This is your host, Natalie JB. We're going to keep going with a series of words that can sound to mean the same, but are actually different. In today's episode, we will cover the difference between feeling lonely and being alone. If you had asked me the difference between being alone and feeling lonely four years ago, I'm not sure I would have come up with the right words. I wasn't quite emotionally mature to understand the difference. My closest friends would definitely confirm that they've heard me say that I've always felt and felt alone. At a very young age, I was known to be quiet, poised, a person that kept to herself and never felt the need to be around people, or even had an urge to speak of her feelings to anyone. During my three years of marriage, however, I've never felt more lonely in my life. In fact, that's when I experienced this feeling of loneliness for the first time. It pushed me to become this very vocal person as I felt like I had to constantly protect my mental and emotional health in that relationship by asking my partner for what I needed. This served as validation that it was communicated. I did tell him how I felt. Unlike my quiet days of being alone, during those three years, I harbored noise in my loneliness. This is what some men would call nagging. <laughs> but honestly, that's when I, I started realizing that there was a difference between being alone and feeling lonely. The day that my ex-husband left, I'm going to share this vulnerable moment with you. The day he walked out the door, he said with a smirk on his face, you've always complained of being alone. Well, <laughs> you're about to find out what feeling alone is like. Today, three years later, finally divorced legally, just three months ago, it feels as if those words spoke of someone else. There's no way he was talking about me. I think I've always been alone. I had family, yes. I had friends. I had acquaintances. They were all spread out all over the world. None of them were physically present. I was not the type to go out and hang out with friends. I was always home. And if somebody pulled me out, it's probably because they had the strength to convince me. But it would be scarce. I haven't even kept in touch with my college friends over the years, which I shared my most vulnerable moments with back in 2005. and. When this ex-husband left, you know what? Absolutely nothing felt different. Because I was still with no attention. I had no affection. I was still not acknowledged. I was still not a wife. I was still this person who took care of herself, who catered to her own needs on her own. Just like from day one, I was still the one who acknowledged myself, my needs, my emotions, my existence. I was still doing the dishes on my own. 
I was still cleaning on my own. I was still caring for my child, for his emotional needs. I was still managing my mentally ill mother. I was still handling everything alone. One thing changed, however, after this divorce, I stopped feeling lonely. I didn't feel a drop of loneliness. See, I have never lived alone, except in 2012 when I was 25. I have only experienced my own space independent of others in 2019. Mind you, that's almost three years ago, alone. And that's when he left. Ever since I've enjoyed my painting sessions, painting naked with a glass of wine in the studio space that I built for myself. I've enjoyed my bi-monthly taking myself out on a date in the neighborhood. I've enjoyed pure quiet while sipping on coffee and reading my newspaper at five in the morning. I've enjoyed my deep cleaning and organizing and planning moments which seem like my peaceful rituals. Actually, they are my peaceful rituals. I am not lonely. Does that sound lonely to you? <laughs> not to me. I have felt so at peace with myself that if I let someone into my space, it's because I want them here. I want to share that serenity and that love and that moment with them. My peace of mind has reached the point that if a person cannot contribute to what serves me, then I'd rather be alone. And alone is my normal. It's always been my normal. And I have to say that for the first time in eight years, I am learning to hear the sound of my heart beat again. Alone. I'm enjoying my own company alone. I am hearing God's voice again, alone. I am handling my finances and goals, alone. I have always been alone, but I've only experienced loneliness for three years of my life. Let me tell you, it is the most painful thing to endure. I don't wish it on my worst enemy. To have someone present in the room and remind you every single day of how much you are insignificant, how much you are unloved and not worthy of a word or even a touch of affection. Do not be acknowledged, to not be thanked, to be invalidated every single day with every opportunity presented to do so. To be looked at like you're a ghost. To be looked at right through while you're in tears. This is my own experience with feeling lonely and being alone. It's the best way I could kind of describe what feeling lonely is. And I have not experienced this outside of this experience in my whole life. But let's keep it moving. I want to stress that it can be pretty tricky. Whilst being alone can be a very healing and positive thing, I realized that dwelling in the comfort of your independence and dwelling in your strength of character can sometimes be toxic. 
Why? Well, let's dive in and try to dig into the meaning between being alone and feeling lonely. We're going to start with that dictionary that I love so much, Webster, um, and what they have to say about these two words, alone and lonely. Alone literally means having no one else physically present or participating on a task or venturing in, in something that you're interested in with you. Um, loneliness, however, is sadness. The sadness can be tied to not having any friends or company. It's a response to isolation. So maybe we should kind of explain what isolation is. Well, isolation is an act. It's the effect of making someone be or feel apart from others or yourself. Isolation can be intentionally or unintentionally afflicted on someone. Isolation can stem from dismissal, coldness, and even more. I wanted to go a little bit more into this term, isolation, but for the purpose of keeping this podcast simple and for my lack, and because of my lack of expertise in these terms, um, I'm deciding to just stop here because this can be very complicated and I would rather you hear from a professional about the difference and, and the implications of um, sadness, loneliness, isolation. So where being alone is a physical state, loneliness is an emotional state. In other words, being alone is a state of solitude, whereas loneliness is a state of abandonment. The difference between the two is that there is a choice in one and a lack thereof in the other from yourself. You could choose to be alone, but sometimes you don't choose to feel lonely. It's inflicted on you. It's an act. I'll explain. I can choose to be alone and find a space where I can freely bask in my own being. Being alone should not feel sad or bad or in lack of something. Being alone can lead to a state of happiness, but this happiness in, is insurmountable by anything else. But I believe that being alone should help us reach a certain balance, right? Like, meaning once this balance is achieved, alone should be a temporary state. You should be able to snap out of it when you feel like it. It's a state of... Um, to which is natural and I believe even like crucial to return to, to a regular base, on a regular basis. So let me explain. So sometimes I can feel like I want to be alone, but it shouldn't be like a permanent thing. It should be something that you can return to whenever you feel like you have to recharge, whenever you feel like, okay, I need that time alone. I don't have to explain it to anybody. Um... But it cannot be like this constant thing that stops you from living life, grasping moments, connecting with people. That's when it becomes toxic. I have learned that being alone allowed me to give time to myself, to acknowledge myself, my needs, to enjoy silence, meditate, pray, and do what I need for myself in that moment. Alone should feel like a source of happiness. It can also push you to be self-reliable. 
not in a selfish way, but in a way that anyone who wants to come in and help and share and feel like they want to be here, that person should be like a cherry on top of the big cake that you are. See, that's what alone does. It helps you cultivate the big cake that you are. It doesn't stop you from adding decoration and sprinkles and chocolate chips and cherries on top. But the big deal is you're the cake. Being alone can allow you to know yourself, to know your weaknesses, your strengths, what pleases you, what your boundaries are. Being alone allows you to listen to your inner child, to protect yourself. It allows you to not have the wrong people as company. I have this thing. I know I mentioned this earlier, but it's something that I I have been saying to myself lately. Listen, is my alone better than your company? Because this helps me calibrate the people that come into my life in general. This helps me understand how others may serve me and how I may serve others in return. Am I being with you because I'm scared of being alone? And am I jumping into a relationship with you because I'm so scared of facing myself alone? And this took me a while. Didn't happen today. Didn't happen two months ago. Took years to understand that. Alone is fine. Alone makes me feel like the decisions that I'm making tomorrow are not based on weaknesses. They are based on strengths. And these strengths emanate and stem from myself, from the work that I have done alone to understand what I need, to understand that I am enough. But enough doesn't stop there. Enough leaves room for others, but I have this core foundation that is okay. And it allows me to share time with others and my vulnerability with others because I had enough time to be alone. You know, when you look on Instagram and those social media posts that say, spend time with yourself and learn to be alone before you are in a relationship. Learn to love yourself before you are in a relationship. Well, I think that's what it means. Take the time to be alone. Take the time to know yourself. That you love yourself so much that you want to share it with somebody else, right? You want to share your alone with somebody else, but not be so scared of your alone that you have to have somebody else. Do you understand the difference? So, again, I still believe that we have to be careful with this expression of loving to be alone because there are some alones that are so comfortable that they can build walls and make you miss out on some great people. Whereas there are also some alones that are so like scary that we just want to jump into the next relationship. We just want to like be people pleasers. We have no boundaries. We just want to say yes to everything and be great to everybody. So be careful. Use your calibration. Not all people who interrupt your alone can be bad or invalidating of that privacy. At the same time as not everybody needs to have access to you. 
again, don't remember to calibrate.